0: Welcome to the Mycelium Network Podcast, a podcast all about early-stage web developers and the mentors and teachers that help them along the way. Hey, Vinyl. Welcome to the Mycelium Network Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: <laughs> the a pleasure. So, um, in the past, I've, I'm learning podcasting as as I make these. I think it's kind of like how code works, right? You learn it as you make things. Um And so in the beginning, I used to always uh, kind of read people's bio out. And I thought, nah, that's so been done a million times. I want to do something else. So um, what I basically want to do is keep quiet and let you talk. Um, So you can go as far back as you want. um, But basically, tell us about your story. Like, who is vinyl? And how did you get to where you are today? Where are you today? And like, maybe even... Even some things that you um, are looking forward to in the future.
1: Yeah, certainly. Oh gosh, where to start though? <laughs> um, well, I guess I'll start with my name. Hi, uh, my name is Vinyl Daigu. Uh, I am a uh, um, web developer and web documentation writer for uh, MDN Web Docs as well as Open Web Docs. Um, fun fact I actually started off with a multimedia background, not a lot of people know uh actually never really got my coding experience from uh college or any traditional education it was mostly just me uh playing around um my own time with a wonderful private coding tutor and uh well here i am now so uh my background started with um doing mostly after effects type stuff so uh uh you know film uh color grading uh doing animation for big film industries and stuff. Uh not like 3D, more of the 2D visual effects, like you know, adding particles to uh some sort of wizardry show or something like that. Um also started with uh doing music as well, like writing soundtracks, some uh orchestral type stuff. Oh wow. That is amazing. Thank you. Is any of that stuff available online? Yeah, I've got all of the uh All of the music that I have written is available on my SoundCloud at uh, soundcloud.com slash queen guborg. It is also available on my YouTube, including my animation works at uh, youtube.com slash queen guborg, or you can search up my name final Daigyu Kazutetsu and you will find me. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'll share these
0: links. I'm really curious about this. I'd love to listen to it. So talking about that, if you do have a, very unique name. Like I, I said, it kind of makes me think of artists like Grimes and people like that. What is the story behind the name?
1: So the the first part about it, the, the vinyl part, uh, mostly comes from the musical experience, as I mentioned. Uh, now, most people think that uh, uh, I'm referring to me being like a, a disc jockey or a DJ, but uh, that's not really the same thing as somebody that writes music. Uh, a DJ is somebody that's mixing existing songs together. But uh, I thought about it and the name kind of stuck. So I'm like, eh, final. Let's
0: keep it. That's a very cool name. I, I really like it. In preparation for, for the conversation, I uh, dug through some of your tweets and I looked at some of the websites that you've made and like the things you've written. And we've worked together. And like, truth be told, we work together almost on a daily basis on MDN and related uh, projects. So I, I also know some things about how you work and the things you do through that. And there's some stuff there that I'd like to ask you about a bit later on. But before we get to that, um, I saw a retweet of yours that kind of struck me as well. And I know you retweeted it because it struck a chord with you as well. And the tweet features a graphic and there's these words that say, the reason why some people are so kind is because the world has been so unkind to them that they don't want other people to feel the way they did. Um, and you know, for me, I I do wish there was more kindness in the world, and I think in the last two three years everything that's happened in the world and continues to happen um I don't know there's there's a feeling of cynicism that is set into a lot of people, and it's it's sad it's hard um i mean i I sometimes go through that myself, which i I guess is human, but um sometimes more than I'd like um so I always you know try to find find something to make me like not give up essentially um but I'd like to hear why these why why that that phrase, why that tweet um had an impact on you.
1: Well it definitely struck a chord with me, that particular image. Um and uh going through the um I guess trying to do so many different things uh, as I have done in the past with, you know, the the music, the animation, trying to get my fingers into so many different things. I've learned all about these different communities, how they work, how they operate, the good, and unfortunately, the bad as well. I've had a lot of negative experiences in the past with uh, others who have different ideas, different mindsets, and... um quite frankly, different uh, ideas about how to behave towards others as well. Um, I've been the center of a lot of uh, hate for many different things. One, being a furry. Two, being transgender. Uh, Three, just for, you know, having my own ideas. Um, So I... I want to be one of those uh one of those individuals in the world that is not like that. I want to be one of the good souls in this world. Um, because I believe that uh the more that we give to help others, the more good we will receive ourselves and the better the world will be.
0: Yeah, and um you're doing a good job at that, by the way. I can acknowledge Thank that you. for one having worked with you closely. Um so Going down the same path um, and getting a bit more specific, maybe um, uh, maybe a bit broader, um, I think we can all acknowledge that there are problems in the tech industry. Um, some have gotten better, um, but it's also maybe not entirely unique to the tech industry. Maybe it's more of a just the way we work um, problem, but um, I personally can only speak to what I've experienced, so that is tech, and that is kind of the topic of the, the podcast and the audience. So. Why do you see as some of the biggest problems in technology and, you know, feel free to be as broad or narrow as you want?
1: I think probably one of the biggest issues that I face on a daily basis is uh, educating those to what is available out there for them in terms of technology. Like, um, one of the things I do on the side is uh, computer repair. And uh, um, uh, as a part of that, uh, a lot of my job ends up being teaching others how to use their computer in the first place or what the difference between Google Chrome and Microsoft Edge is or, uh, heck, even the difference between left and right mouse click. Um, Mm, I think mm. that there needs to be uh, uh, more programs out there to teach individuals um how to use a computer what a computer is how it works uh also how to avoid scams that are on the computer because uh the people that don't know how to use a computer as much are the ones that get targeted the most because they don't understand these differences um and i think it would be pretty great to see some more like government fund programs and stuff to uh to educate their their citizens on uh um well the 21st century basically
0: yeah. I, I it's kind of strange that that if if you think about it from a I don't know, an, a narrow perspective like somebody that's in the tech industry, you you completely forget about the fact that there are a lot of people that don't know how to use the basic things about a computer. Um one often hears right. that um if you ask somebody like what is the internet, they'll tell you Facebook. Well, they'll tell you google and that that's their concept that's their understanding of what the internet is they don't they don't understand that there's so 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 much more to it than than just those two service providers or big corporate companies um and then of course just like you said the very very basics of okay i keep my computers on now what do i do with this thing like a lot of people don't know um and yeah, I think with early stage uh, web developers, that is the same thing. I think once you get to a certain point, you can kind of figure stuff out yourself and you can you kind of get to know where to find the answers that you're looking for. But if you're completely new, I'm not sure we're doing a really good job there of onboarding folks.
1: I agree with that. And it's quite a challenge to uh, uh, figure out how to write these guides for Uh, these beginners as well because us being so uh, experienced with technology and the uh, different technologies that are available to us like being an expert in the field there are things that we just know um, instinctively at this point and uh, we kind of forget what um, people need to be taught uh, and such in that same sense what they need to learn before they get to the more advanced levels
0: yeah for sure um like the Mycelium network part of well i mean i guess the core function or the core reason it exists is basically to try and solve this by talking to exactly those people um and asking them like what what are your pain points why where do you get frustrated um not so it's not just understanding why you're getting into tech, but okay, now that you're trying to get into it, what are what is the roadblocks you're facing? And oftentimes you think it might be stuff like work experience and that is definitely a problem. Um or like interviews or how do I find a job? But oftentimes it's more like, no, it's not that. It's I don't know. Where to begin, and where I've started, but now I'm kind of stuck at this point, and there's so much information, and I don't know where to go from here, and I kind of end up spinning my wheels and getting a bit demot- demotivated. So yeah, I do think there's there's room here for curation. That is what I've what I've learned. Not so much creating new content necessarily. I think places like MDN and that um, do a great job of it but the curation is maybe with the missing piece.
1: I agree. So staying with
0: tweets, um, another one that caught by is, is this meme that you tweeted where you said like, when explaining to non-developers what you do, uh, this is like a meme that you use. I found that very interesting. Can you maybe, seeing this as a podcast, people can't see the visual, I'll link to it, of course, but um, can you maybe explain the tweet a little bit and like how you use that to explain to people what it is you do?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, so, I always had uh, thought about the uh, the big brain, bigger brain, biggest brain meme that you're referring to, and uh, um, a lot of times when I tried to, uh, in the past, when I tried to explain what I do to others, uh, they wouldn't really understand the difference between doing the web development itself um versus documenting how to write web uh websites and what are the technologies available in these browsers um so i always like referred to that meme uh whenever i would talk about it and say like um it is web development related but what we are doing here at md web docs is a step beyond that because we are teaching others how to write websites not necessarily writing our own websites, and I mean I do do web development still. Like I have the my own personal website. I have the one for my company. I do uh, contract web development for other companies as well. Um, but when it comes to what I am contracted to do for MDN Web Docs and Open Web Docs, it's not really much to do with the web development itself. More so the teaching others how to do it.
0: Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I, I think that, that, is, that could be a tricky subject to explain and to really get across. But I think you did a, a good job of doing that just now. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: Thank you. I, I still have one, one of my family members still thinks that when I say browser compatibility data, and I'm talking about the MDN BCD project, they still think to this day that I am referring to Writing cross-browser compatible websites, and every single time I have to explain, no, I'm documenting what web browsers support, what features, so others are able to do that.
0: Yeah. Um. So, I had this question phrased a little differently in the doc, but now having talked, I'm I think I'm going to phrase a little different. You've you've mentioned that that like you didn't do the traditional like one ramp to getting into tech, and you come from like a music slash art slash animation background, which I mean, if I had a penny for the number of people who've come to tech from musicianship, I'd be a very rich man at this point. Um, Because I myself was a classical guitarist before (laughs) I got into tech. Um, But at some point you decided that, you know what, I think I'm going to switch to software documentation as a career, which is also interesting because not directly web development necessarily as a career, but documenting the web as you just explained. Um, what was it about this stuff? Why documentation? Why did that get you really excited and make you change careers?
1: So I think one of the biggest things um uh, it's kind of in different stages, if I had to say. Um, the first stage was uh, attempting to pursue a traditional education for music production and uh, uh, music composition and stuff. I took uh, college courses for it. Um, Honestly speaking, I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that I have made in my life, Um, particularly because uh, uh, I don't know if other colleges do this, but for the one that I was doing and the the classes that I was attending, um, they were pushing more for quantity and really trying to push you to write song after song after song after song. Uh, and that led to pretty much burning me out permanently. Um, like, I was putting so many ideas mm. down in such a short amount of time. It was like um, two two months, three months, and I had written maybe 20, maybe 30 different pieces. At that point, I was just burnt out and I couldn't think about any other ideas for my own projects, for anyone else's projects. Um, so, uh, after that, I, um, kind of put that to a halt and started focusing more on the animation side of things. So the, uh, music visualizers, the, the, uh, light shows type stuff. Um, and that was, that was pretty fun, but I was quickly getting frustrated with, um, well, my computer crashing a bunch on me and, uh, Software crashing and taking so long to render because I was doing all this complicated stuff. The computer was like, whoa, there, I got to process this. And especially considering the fact (laughs) I was was rendering out 4K videos and 4K at 60 frames a second before anybody else on YouTube did. Most people were still doing the standard full HD 1080p at 30 frames a second. Uh, me i wanted to uh get a head start on the future of videos and stuff especially because i noticed that um rendering it out in 4k there's a lot more information for the computer to downscale to 1080p and the images would look a lot crisper they'd look a lot smoother and stuff um but after a while i was like um doing that and i was doing the um visualizers for a edm promotional channel on youtube which um that was going pretty good for quite some time uh but unfortunately as i started to get more and more of a um bigger role in that uh turns out my interests in music don't really align with the uh the majority of uh edm listeners uh um preferences. So, um it ended up uh causing the channel to lose subscriptions and stuff and uh then people started hating me for that and uh eventually I was like, okay, you know what? I give up on this. I'm done. I'm going to go ahead and move on to something that's probably a little better for my skill set. Um so I was looking around for software development stuff for um web development things. I stumbled across up across the uh, BCD project and uh, saw that I was looking for some help. So I started to do some uh, pull requests for it, really get into that. Eventually, I started enjoying it more and more until that became like my full time project. Like I was working on that almost 24 um, 7. In the end, um, I grew in a uh, heavy appreciation for. Um, documenting the World Wide Web and uh, creating resources for others to learn upon. Um, And something clicked in me at at that time. And I thought, hey, this is really awesome being able to provide resources for others to improve their stuff. This is is really amazing and a wonderful goal. And I want to be a part of that. I want to help improve the world for the better.
0: Yeah, those are all great great missions to have, and I share the same thing, um, that's for sure. So that is super interesting. Um, So how do you counteract or try and prevent um, burnout in this new career? Because the reason I asked that is because working with you, you're super productive, Um, like you get things done really fast and really well. Um, so is this just like pure enthusiasm or do you have specific techniques you can share with everybody? And then, yeah, how do you, how do you ensure that you don't burn out in this new career?
1: First of all, it means a lot to me to hear those words. I I really appreciate hearing that. Um, I would say probably one of the, the most helpful things is not just working on a single project all the time. Uh, Because if you're doing the exact same thing over and over and over again, uh, eventually it's going to wear you out. You're going to get tired of it. You're going to get sick of it. And if you continue, you're eventually going to get completely burnt out. So for me, what I do is I switch between different projects a lot. Um, I'm still sticking with mostly the projects within the mdn web docs repositories and stuff but uh um i'm working on the bcd project i'm working on some content eventually then i'm working on the core engine for mdn web docs and then i'm working on uh um one of the aspects for the interactive examples that you see and then switching back and forth between them, then spending some time on my own personal projects, like my company website. So I think probably the the most helpful thing is not sticking to just one thing at a time, but switching between them and trying different things. Um, so that way you're always switching to something new, uh, something fresh and uh, keeping the cycle of fresh content.
0: Yeah, makes sense. I, I also, like, I think that's one of the reasons I like the idea of open source, um, one of many, is this freedom to move between projects and also your own stuff, right? Scratching your own itch and all that. Um, because I did do the corporate thing in the beginning of my career and like, oh boy, I would, that was not a good fit for me at all. Uh, getting up every day, going to some, to build some back end administrative console for some big mobile company. It was just like, uh, there's nothing here that means anything to me. Um, uh, and then the working environment, like the company culture was not great. So that doesn't help. You don't even have the people that you stay for. So yeah, when I, when I got into open source and when I started contracting with Mozilla about 11 years ago, um, I saw a whole new world um, for sure. And um, it like I, I can't see myself moving out of that that world ever, ever again. Um, so I, I get that. And I, I think of what they say, variety is the spice of life. So I guess it's very true when it comes to coding as well and preventing burnout. Um, so <clears throat> that kind of leads me to Hey. One question. I'm going to push that one down the road a little bit and just step back a little. You you gave some advice that I think is very good. Um, where it's like, don't spend all your time on a single thing. Try different things because that keeps things interesting. But beyond that, is there anything that you, any advice you can share for like early stage web developers that's like starting their journey in this like, to be honest, like force based industry? Um, I. Sorry, I, I'm going a little bit all over the place, but my brain keeps thinking things that you said that I wanted to get back to. Cause the, the stuff that you talked about with the music industry, I think that industry is rough. Um, I think it's, it's very, very, very demanding. Uh, and it's, and I think it's because it's become like a kind of sausage factory. It just, you know it just has to keep pumping out more and more and more and the faster the better the more money there is to do definitely so and i think that's one of the things i like more about open source versus corporate environments is that um because there's more meaning to to the work i think they people take a little bit more time to consider wh- how they do things and whether they should do things um but yeah um coming back to what i what i wanted to ask you is like What advice do you have for early-stage web developers that's just getting into this
1: industry? Hmm, that's a really good question. I would have to say one of the most impactful statements of advice that I would give to an early web developer is don't give up. Um, as, as an early programmer, as an early software developer or web developer, um, you're you're going to run into issues left and right. Um, there's always going to be some problem that's going to arise, and you're going to have to solve it. Um, I believe that uh, failure is not uh, the end, but rather a path to success and a learning experience. So... If something's, uh, something's got you stumped, don't give up. Uh, maybe take a step back for... Uh, for a little bit, and then come back to it with fresh eyes, or if you're really stumped, there's so many great resources online, like Stack Overflow, for example. You can ask basically any any software development question, and there are so many people who will jump right onto the question and answer it for you. Or, most likely, if you're having an issue, your question has already been answered, and there are existing Stack Overflow or Reddit posts that uh, answer the question with uh, so many different users giving really wonderful advice uh, on those platforms. So don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Uh, keep pushing forward and you will reach your goals eventually. So interesting you mentioned Reddit. I, I'm i slowly using it again. How do you find
0: Reddit as a platform? Do you find it like being inviting and good for like tech in general,
1: but then also maybe new folks? <laughs> I would say it depends on which communities on reddit you go to um there are some pretty amazing communities that are on reddit that are actually like uh really inviting and welcoming um and then there's the ones that are kind of like oh you're you're a person well well screw you you're you're a, a crap stain on society and um <laughs> I, I think like uh just like anywhere on the internet, I would say, it depends on where you go. There there are going to be the bad apples out there, but there's also a lot of good apples if you look in the right places. Yeah. Do you have any, like, subreddits that you can recommend? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, R slash JavaScript, I guess, would be one. I don't really go on Reddit that much myself, um, but most of the time that I go on Reddit is uh, when I'm Google searching something and that's what comes up in the Google search results.
0: Um, yeah, it's usually you how different um, our search results are tailored based on our usage, because I always never get like Reddit in my search results when I search for stuff.
1: Also, I think r slash Python. So yeah, r slash Python.
0: Um, hot topic, uh, like or dislike TypeScript. And how early do you think web developers should start paying attention to it?
1: (laughs) Oh, this is definitely a hot take. Um, I personally despise JavaScript, uh, not JavaScript. I personally despise TypeScript. I like the the concept behind it of uh, having type checking for all of your variables to make sure that uh, you're sending nothing but exactly the types of inputs that you want and preparing for those. However, I think that there is a lot um, with TypeScript that really needs to be overhauled and uh, fixed. And uh, seeing the development stages for um, TypeScript or really any of the Microsoft-owned projects, I highly doubt that they're ever really going to get fixed. What I would personally like to see is a TypeScript alternative, like a new project that introduces the same things that TypeScript does, but in a much better developer-friendly way. Yeah.
0: So I don't know if I dreamt this or if this is a thing, but I've mentioned it to somebody else as well. I heard that Microsoft made a proposal to bring types to JavaScript. Does that ring a bell? I have not heard about this. Um, the, the tricky thing, of course, with anything you want to do to JavaScript is you have to always make sure it's backwards compatible. So you can't just turn JavaScript into a typed language because 90% of the internet will break. So I, I don't know if they want to do this in the form of annotations or exactly what, but and maybe maybe this is something i thought i i heard and i didn't but i'm pretty sure that there was this talk that microsoft has proposed this to tc39 and that it's in discussion um about whether that's a good idea um i spoke to somebody earlier today and it'll be it'll have to be really well thought out maybe this is the opportunity that you're mentioning to rethink how it's done and do it better um I do I do worry about if this would present a barrier to new people new to the web because currently while making a website isn't the most complicated thing it's not easy either especially if you want to do it well but I think all the technologies are really approachable and you can get quite far even if you don't know all the ins and outs of it um I don't know if bringing typing to javascript would cause a bigger barrier to entry
1: yeah um i see that there is a microsoft dev blog um post about this proposal uh from march 9th and what i'm seeing here if i'm reading this correctly is that it would be bringing uh type definitions to javascript but not necessarily require Wire the type definitions. Uh, if that's the case, then I would be uh, I would be for this because I think that one of the biggest barriers with um, TypeScript itself is the fact that you kind of have to go all or nothing with TypeScript. You either do all type checking or you don't bother with TypeScript at all. So if if it's if JavaScript is kept in a uh, backwards compatible in the sense where you can specify types as you desire rather than having to specify all of the different types then i i think that this proposal would actually be pretty pretty helpful for the future of the World Wide web
0: okay that's cool that's it's an interesting take yeah and i like i said i think maybe this is that that opportunity where um they can do it they can improve on, on and take all the learnings that um that they've had with typescript because i mean i i have a love age relationship with it like when it when you don't have to fight it it's super useful but i do find that i oftentimes i feel like i could have done something much much faster if i didn't have to fight typescript Um, and that is especially true when it comes to dom elements like typescript don't seem to play very well with these things like if you have an event and it's like it could be a button but it could also have come from a link or it could have come from this then typing starts to get pretty tricky and sometimes it throws up the weirdest errors about stuff like oh this thing could potentially be null but it's like yeah i guess but i know that it never will be or this piece of code won't wouldn't have run at all um so Yeah, I I definitely have like a love aid relationship with it. Um, My personal opinion around that always has been, I can see the value of it when you're writing an API. I'm not so sold on it when you just use it for good old front end development. I'm not sure how much value it adds there.
1: I agree, and this was the exact same response that I had given to one of my old contracts when they had asked if they should migrate over to TypeScript for their front end. I, They were asking me what I thought the upsides and downsides would be for it, and my response was pretty much exactly the same. Like, There's no real reason to migrate your front end to TypeScript. The back end... Yeah, totally. Like, it actually does provide some benefits for the back end. But the front end, just leave it as pure JavaScript.
0: Yeah, I think we've, we're we talking the same language there for sure. Um, so, yeah, you've alluded to this before, but I want to bring it up. Um, so you are the founder of Guborg Studios. And when I looked into it a little more... I learned about Goo font and goo icons. And the goo icons are really cool. I really like them a lot. Can you tell us a little bit more about like Goobix Goober Studios and then these other two um tangentially related projects?
1: Yeah, certainly. So uh Goobork Studios had uh basically been my dream company um for probably over a decade, maybe a decade and a half. Um, and uh, I wanted to create this company that uh, brings a bunch of different kinds of uh, artists, uh, software developers, um, translators, etc. together under one roof so that we can create these amazing projects together. It actually started off as a uh, uh, an idea for this one anime series that I wanted to do, uh, which later turned into the idea for a video game, which later turned into... Well, just sitting on my old MacBook back at
0: home. I really like that idea. because um, I I myself am building a company and the thing that I didn't want it to be is yet another agency. And it's by some way or shape or form it's gonna kind of turn into that and I'm not happy with it. And I want to now reevaluate everything and, and change the direction. But um I really like the idea of this multidisciplinary kind of approach where you're You're doing all these different creative things when you bring it together. Because I can just imagine the amazing things that can come out of that. Are there like any specific projects um, that the studio has built that you'd like to like call out and talk about?
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh, I guess two of the big ones would be actually the two that you had mentioned—the Goo font and the Goo icons. Um, those projects had, uh, started off as a project for our internal um, design and our our um, outward appearance and such. Because, as the name implies, the Goo theme mm-hmm. is like our biggest thing. That's the that's the base of the entire company. So. Making a font that's based upon this and then uh, web icons that are based upon this is primarily directed at improving the the look and the feel of our own website. But, of course, why make something that's just for ourselves when we can make it available to others? So I decided the Goo Icons themselves, I would make a uh, free, accessible... Um, uh, web font that anybody can download and use on their own websites, with, of course, the ability to request new icons to be added. Uh, and then the goo font and other related fonts would be available for just $15 uh, for both commercial and non-commercial, with uh, uh, continuous implementation of new Unicode blocks for additional language support. Uh, we're currently working on uh, Chinese and Japanese as our next uh, next one's... Which I found to be, <laughs> yeah, you immediately know what I'm talking about. There, were, I was severely underestimating the number of characters and uh, how big of a debt my wallet would have.
0: <laughs> that is, that's very interesting. Like I've, I've toyed with the idea of creating a uh, typeface because I find typography fascinating myself, also, um, but. Having looked into it, it's like I really need to set some time aside to really understand this whole artistry um, of creating typefaces. It's fascinating. For now, I'll just enjoy the beautiful ones that exist and try and make something useful (laughs) with (laughs) them. Maybe one day I'll I'll explore making my own. Um, I know you're heavily involved in open source in general, from what I I can tell anyway. Um, What do you see the role of open source... In education, but then also in making a better web.
1: I think having open technologies and open standards means that it everyone is able to utilize these to improve their own projects. And if they're improving their own projects, it's uh, providing resources to help others improve their own projects and so on and so forth, um, eventually improving the entire mm-hmm. world as we know it. I think it's a very powerful uh, community and uh, helps, um, you know, just helps improve the world overall.
0: There are problems uh, inherent in open source, but they are being talked about much more now. I think it's kind of like accessibility um, where for the longest time, it was something that was tacked on at the end and it's become like front and center now and it's really great to see that. And I think the same... In the same fashion, like open source has had inherent problems that everybody acknowledged, uh, but not in the open. If you had a bunch of maintainers in the room, it'd be clear that there's a problem. But if you looked at it from the outside, you would not see the problem necessarily. Um, And, it, you know, it's... It's multifaceted. It, 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 some of it has to do with people feeling right. entitled to demand certain things from people who run open source projects, and it's like, are you being serious? This thing is for free. You can contribute. It's you know, chill out. Um, and then just the mere fact that you know it, the whole thing of of giving away everything for free, um, while it's it's wonderful and all of that, it. it can only go so far um, until you really need to understand that these are actual human beings with real lives trying to make great software products um, and sustain themselves. And it's not very uh, scalable, as they say, to do this for free. There needs to be some kind of model that gives you the ability to also have a a life. Because, you know, uh, even if you write the greatest open source project in the world, if you have to pay your mortgage, they're not going to care about that if you don't have money to pay.
1: Exactly. I think that's one of the uh, biggest benefits of uh, platforms like the Open Collective, for example, um, allowing uh, donors uh, or sorry, donators like uh, individuals and big companies to uh contribute financially to these projects to uh you know to sustain their development and uh to sustain those behind the development as well um and i think it's an um, uh, it's an amazing thing to see uh all of these users and uh big companies as well that are so willing to drop uh huge amounts um either uh individually or collectively to sustain the development of these open source projects it goes to show that they really enjoy these projects and they want to see them continue
0: yeah yeah i mean uh, i can't think of one massive uh web service whatever you want to call it website um that does not heavily rely on open source and who can honestly not say that their success is because of open source like a lot of the things that that seem to come overnight the ability to build things so fast is because there's so many building blocks you just have to compose together that are open and free i i actually just had one more thing in closing and um that is just like what do you enjoy doing when the internet doesn't work so well
1: <laughs> <laughs> um it's kind of hard to say honestly um I guess there is one one thing that I do enjoy doing offline. Uh and that would actually have to be uh geocaching. Uh I think that geocaching is a great way to explore different cities or uh even different countries or uh different locations altogether um to experience its um most beautiful locations I would say. Um I enjoy going out and uh hunting for different geocaches and such uh yeah, there's also like the geocaching puzzles. I'm a really big puzzle fan. Um, so typically speaking, whenever I'm uh, going out on vacation or really just traveling to anywhere else, uh, I'll pop up in the geocaching app, look for some that are in my area and uh, go and find them. That is super cu- interesting. And I'm, I'm going to be honest and say I do
0: not have a clue what geocaching is. What is that? It sounds super interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, geocaching is uh, in a nutshell it's a worldwide treasure hunt um, there are so many different users on the geocaching platform that will hide different containers that contain a couple of little uh, trinkets like a uh, you know a little bit of uh, Toys or coins or different uh, uh, trackable tokens that you can take with you. Uh, And then a paper logbook. The paper logbook is for uh, different hunters, finders, uh, to sign when they have found the container. So to say, I have been here. I have found this hidden geocache. Um, And uh, uh, then move on to the next one one of the biggest things with geocaching is it's all about the hunt uh, it's all about uh, fighting these different containers which can be hidden in pretty easy locations like uh, inside of a telephone pole or maybe uh, uh, at the trunk of a tree uh, some of them can have very intricate hiding spots like a, um, <laughs> this one of my favorite ones that, uh, um like a gnome statue that it was hidden in.
0: Wow that is super interesting yeah I had no idea I- I'm definitely going to search a bit more about this and learn more about it. I wonder if there's if that's going on here in South Africa as well. It would be interesting to
1: see. It's going on in the United States, Canada, uh, Europe, Japan, South Africa as well. You can pretty much find a geocache anywhere oh, wow. that you are. Um, you can learn more at uh, geocaching.com as well. Not sponsored.
0: Thanks so much, Vinyl, for joining me for this chat. It was really good. I learned so much more about you that um, that I had no idea about, and that's always great. Um, thank you for joining. Um, have a lovely rest of your day and a great weekend, and um, I'll speak to you soon.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. This was a pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mycenae Network podcast. If you're not already, please subscribe, store, and leave a review for us in your podcatcher of choice. This helps others find us and helps us make a better podcast for you, our listeners. You can also find and follow us on Twitter at Network Mycelium and join the community on Discord. All the links are available in the show notes.